Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we're talking with Dan Dembski, the co-founder of Unbound Merino. Unbound Merino sources nature's ultimate performance fiber, Australian Merino wool, to create apparel that can be worn for weeks or even months without ever needing to be washed. Dan started this company alongside his two best friends with the goal of minimizing the burdens of travel so that you can maximize the experience of your trip. Dan had previously founded two other companies, a digital media agency and another clothing business prior to Unbound, so we see how those experiences shaped his decisions. Unbound Merino has been doubling revenue year over year and is set to do over $4 million in its third year in business. We talk about how to get a product off the ground using crowdfunding, what's it like to start and run a company with your best friends, how to scale a direct-to-consumer business, and more. Hope you all enjoy. Here it goes. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with Dan Dembski, who is one of the co-founders of Unbound Merino. Dan, we're going to hand it over to you. Give us a little bit of a, of a more in-depth intro uh, as, to, as to what Unbound Merino is and uh, how you and uh, your, your two co-founders, who are your lifelong friends, really uh, started this company. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on um, Unbound Merino. It's clothing that helps people uh, travel lighter. So we started this out of a, a need for ourselves. We were looking to find a way to go traveling abroad, which we, we like to travel quite a bit. We don't have to bring heavy luggage with us because we found that was a huge burden to the objective which we were after when we were traveling, which is to have experiences around the world and to throw ourselves into cultures and to learn things and, and to experience things, to eat things. Everything that you can do when you're traveling is so enriching, but your baggage just holds you back. So we were looking for a way to travel lighter and we discovered Marina Wool, but we just hated the way it all looked and the way it all felt. It looked as if it would be the clothing that you would wear for a, a canoeing trip or to compete in a triathlon or something. It was made yeah. <laughs> as athletic wear for the F, for athletic wear purposes and to find simple, stylish merino wool clothing that, you know, you'd want to wear out to a cocktail bar or just for a walk, you know, in a city during the day. Um, we couldn't really find much of that at all. So that was kind of our aha moment that we should create something. But the problem was, was we all come from different backgrounds. I had a previous business and one of my business partners was a creative director at an ad agency. And um, it wasn't very easy for us to, to come up with this idea to, for a new business with all that we had going on in our lives. So we decided to create a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, which we did. And we figured if we could make that successful, then maybe we have a business and maybe we should figure out how we can work on this business. If the crowdfunding campaign doesn't work, then uh, at least we tried. So we did that. We spent a year and a half to make a crowdfunding campaign and then we launched it and we made 300, we were trying to get $30,000, but we made 380,000. Wow. And we thought, all right, well, there's some product market fit here. Um, we have some money to start this business and uh, let's figure it out. So I, I, I left my other company. I gave it to my business partner. I didn't sell it. I just walked away and uh, I, I started something new. Very cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like the other company that you were working at is Viz Media. 
this is kind of like the um, more typical entrepreneurial story where someone, you know, has an idea and they're, or this is the more like kind of logical path where, where you test an idea that you have, you know, because we all have like kind of crazy ideas. You test it, you get some real traction, and then you actually dive into it. So what were some of the skills that you had from, you know, co-founding uh, and, and helping run Biz Media that you took over to Unbound Marino that helped propel this forward? Because I'm guessing, you know, you guys are right around three years old. Um, you've had some really strong traction. What are some of those skills that, that really uh, helped build uh, this new company that you're working on? Well, I think that ultimately one of the best things you can do in life is, is make some really big glaring mistakes. Um, it's not, it's, there's a lot of things I did in biz media that looking back, I'm like, wow, that was just um, decision-making based on inexperience. And, you know, to myself now, I think, I feel like, oh man, was I ever dumb back then? But really it's not dumb. I was, what I was doing was took courage and it was hard. It's hard to start a business. It's hard to grow a company and biz media at its biggest. We had 18 employees, but I started that business in my early twenties. And when I looked back, I thought, I think I, I, I had uh, too big of an ego to run a company. I don't mean, I wasn't like unpleasantly egotistical. I just was starting a business in the early twenties. And if you have a little bit of success, you think that you're great. I thought I was really good at what I was doing. And I, and I thought I could keep growing as fast as I was growing right at the beginning. So I didn't understand the, the road signs ahead that, you know, you're growing too fast, you're hiring too fast. And our, the result of that is feedback that things get really, really crazy when you have such massive overhead in the company, you need to keep your sales machine going just to keep the lights on. When we built this new business, I had, a almost a decade of entrepreneurial experience to to look back on and to make decisions that were a little smarter. So one of the things we did is rather than grow aggressively in our new warehouse and hire aggressively and think that we need to grow um, in a lot of ways for vanity, which is what it was, we said we decided to grow this business slowly, methodically, let the revenues grow much faster than the infrastructure grows. And we only grew the infrastructure when we, when we were bursting at the seams. So we're more mature in how we run a business now. And as a result, the business is growing. I mean, it's far, it's grown far beyond what biz media has ever grown in terms of revenue, but we run it much smaller. So it's a healthy, profitable business, which allows us the room to make investments where it matters and not growing for the sake of growing, but investing in the right things that will help harness the growth to make it grow more as a healthy business things like you know we we want to get pr coverage but we're not very good at it nor do we really like doing it so finding a really good firm that can help us with that that's an investment that we decide we want to make we have the the funds and and the capacity to make these investments now in our growth not just to grow wildly like we did when we were young so i made a lot of dumb decisions and you know what in 10 years from now i might look at some of the decisions i'm making now and think those are dumb too that's all yeah that's all part of the process uh we're just definitely a lot smarter than we were back then and i think having simply having the experience that we had of starting a business and growing a business that in itself was a lesson 
Gotcha. So that's, I mean, such a great point. Like, uh, I think that that lesson that you learn at, at Biz Media is, is so valuable just because like when you're, if you're running a business, it could, you know, feel like you're not having as much traction if you're not hiring a bunch of people or, or really doing kind of over things that, that, you know, display how big the company is. Um, but really like it all goes down in the fundamentals. So have you been able to, apart from, the crowdfunding campaigns have you been able to fully like bootstrap this this entire company so yeah, far we've never taken any outside investment so we've we started growing like immediately after our crowdfunding campaign um we have a, enough funds to start to get a good inventory but then we just start growing 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 and our shopify store started selling and it was about a year awesome. maybe a year and a half later where the growth um, was too fast for what our company could afford. So we needed to keep buying inventory and, you know, given the lead times of buying inventory, you have to predict how much you're going to be selling in four months and have enough come in then so that in four months you have enough inventory to meet the demand, but it's hard to predict and it's expensive to say, well, I want to buy all the inventory we're going to need for the next four months, but then also have enough that will last us for four yeah. months after that because it's going to take us that long to get new stuff in. So we better be well stocked. So it got to the point where we thought, well, if we're going to fund the inventory that we're going to need to get us through, you know, two thirds of a year, I don't know how we're going to do this. Like we're going to need a line of credit, which the bank wasn't willing to give us at the time because we were in a company for two years. Um, um, are we going to need to get an investor? Are we going to need to get a loan? And we didn't really want to cut up the, the business and have a, someone else come in and be a partner and have a say and want us to be profitable for the sake of being profitable. We want to grow the business on our terms and we love the lifestyle and what the business creates and the flexibility that me and my two business partners who are my best friends have in, in guiding this business as individuals. So what we did is we decided to start another crowdfunding campaign and we, we worked on a new product. It was the compact travel hoodie and we decided let's just launch a new product. We already have a big customer base. We'll pre the people can pre-order this product through the mm -hmm. crowdfunding campaign, but also buy some of our other stuff as pre-orders. And let's see if we can get a little bit more cash in the bank that way to fund our inventory without us having to take a loan or uh, like a high interest loan or have to get an investor. The other other yeah. alternative would be to slow down our growth, which we didn't want to do. So we did the crowdfunding campaign and we did a, basically right about the same amount of money. We did $380,000 in revenue on that. Um, and that gave us a big cash injection to do a huge inventory order, which we put in and um, shipped all the hoodies six months later. But that allowed us to grow without needing to take outside capital. But th those were, the, I mean, to start the business and at that point was the time when we needed the cash to grow the business. We needed a, a significant amount of cash and we did it both times through crowdfunding. So I'm uh, one of the biggest, the biggest fans of crowdfunding. It allowed us to create this business and allowed us to grow this business. 
Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I want to dig a little bit deeper into your crowdfunding experience. I uh, so I work in Republic. We do equity crowdfunding. Uh, a bit different from from Indiegogo. You're actually getting equity in the companies that you're investing in. But what, what you guys did, you actually offered products for uh, or future products for um, money upfront now with like you know perks and everything. And, and essentially, that's kind of the model there. What are some of the biggest things to know? And, and really key insights that you can offer to everyone listening that will help people create a successful crowdfunding campaign. Because you guys did it back to back, which means you actually, you know, you have like a system locked down. Could you speak a little bit about that? I think ultimately what it really comes down to, well, first you have to go out there and you really have to create the product. So there's a lot of businesses that are, they, they're just seemingly ideas or they're not, it's not really clear if the product really works. I think a lot of people are reluctant to get into technology products through crowdfunding because they're not sure if the product is really going to end up working, if the software will really be developed the way that it looks in their video. But what we did is we spent, you know, almost a year and a half making Merino wool apparel, which is what our, our initial clothing line was that we actually had in our hands. And it took us a year and a half because we were manufacturing in China and there's a delay in sending revisions and get waiting for that to come back to Canada where, where we are. And also we had, we didn't really know how to make clothing. We had to learn how to make our own clothing designs when we had zero prior experience. So a year and a half of work and we got to the point where we had prototypes, which were great, which we were super proud of, which were ready to go to market. So I think having your product ready to go is, is key, but then, after that, it's really about positioning. It's about showing the buyer, your intended customer, how that product product is going to benefit them. So it was not like talking about all the features of the product, how great it is, to how we made it. It's like, really, it's like, what problem are you solving? Yeah. And for us, it was very easy and natural to, to communicate that because we were making it for ourselves originally. We really were our own core consumer. So for us to talk about the benefits to the customer was quite simple, but that really was the focus. It's about just lock yourself into the perspective of who you're trying to sell to and focus on their benefits. So for us, it's like you're try, you'll pack way lighter, you'll save money on, on luggage fees. You'll never have to go to that luggage carousel again. When you travel, it's going to be about the experience that you're having. And this is what matters. It's you, 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 you. And that really puts into it puts the value of the product into perspective. Crowdfunding campaigns really are. I look at we we jokingly call them millennial infomercials because that's <laughs> kind of like what they are. It's like you have this like you're getting the attention of people for a long period of time. Like people spend time watching videos, scrolling through your crowdfunding campaign, and they're giving you the benefit of really paying attention to what you're trying to say. So if you can really, really just dwell on the benefits that you're going to give them in their lives, and it should be real. I mean, people, there's a sniff test, like our product actually works and there is a real benefit. It's not some like made up claim or some solving some problem that doesn't exist. It actually does. It is a problem. Luggage is annoying to a lot of people. It's annoying to me. It's annoying to a lot of people. So if there's a way to simplify how you travel by packing lighter because you have unbound merino, well, here's a list of benefits that you get from that. So I really think it's about how you market, how you position, 
the product, how you focus on the benefits, and then really having a good product. Like it, we had it made and we made sure to try to prove in the campaign that this is not just something that, you know, some smoke and mirrors. Like we were manufacturing overseas. We showed pictures and video of us being there and the process of doing it. So you could see that we've been hands-on. We've been testing this for a while and creating that, that, um, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, that acceptance that this is actually the real deal. This exists and this might help me. So that's it. There's a whole other, you know, there's all sorts of technical, tactical things you can do for crowdfunding, but all of those things I learned by just doing Google searching really yeah. what it came down to was like the, the spirit of our communication and the focus on the customer benefits and the essence of our brand standing out. And then to be blunt, there was a timing element. It's the fact that there was not a lot of people doing what we were doing. So, you know, if someone can go and they can do a campaign just like ours, they can sell a product with the same purpose, merino wool, to help you travel, you can copy our, our you know, our, our set main selling points that allowed us to do well in crowdfunding. And you might be able to do the same. You might be able to go out there and get something going. But I think that the timing is now worse. You know, it's like the reason why I think it may have been a hit is because we were looking for this product and there wasn't a lot that existed. And if you could find a product where it's not in great abundance, it's not everyone and their uncles creating a company that does this. If it's not a trend, like if it's not po if it's popular right now, it might be too late. What helped us is we found that moment when we felt frustrated with what was on the market. And if you could feel frustrated with what's on the market, maybe it's you that can bring that thing to market. And that's what we did. We really wanted to create this for us. And that's because it didn't really exist in the way that we liked it. And I've had, I know I have a lot of friends who've created really cool online businesses that they started kind of at a similar point when they thought, Hey, I'm really frustrated with what's out there. I'm going to go create it. It's uh, I don't think people talk a lot about timing, but timing does matter. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think, you know, now especially Merino is becoming pretty popular and, and a lot of people are actually starting to know what it is. Allbirds being probably like the best example of this. Prior to that, I wasn't familiar with Merino. And, um, you know, for everyone who might not be fully kind of like understanding of like how it works, can you dive into maybe a little bit of like the technical aspects? And, and this also goes back to the previous question. So like you're essentially the product claim is wear this clothing for days on end, weeks on end without ever having to wash it because it doesn't get dirty the same way your your regular clothes do. I think that's really difficult for someone to like imagine unless they've actually used those types of products. Could you speak a little bit about how that's actually possible? And then two, how you get people to really believe that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a leap for a lot of people um, until they realize that, hey, they don't remember the last time they washed their jeans. And they think, well, that's normal. It's jeans. You know, well, you could question, well, why is it normal? The reason is normal. Well, why do people wash their jeans? First of all, you wash your jeans if you get them dirty. Like if you spilled something on them, you're definitely going to want to wash them. And then sometimes people wash their jeans because they wore them so much that they've gotten kind of a little loose. You can throw them in a wash cycle. You can kind of like tighten them up a little bit so they fit the way that they 
fit when you originally bought them. And then the, the other time people wash their jeans is because it's just been so long. They're like, yeah, it's probably time I wash my jeans. <laughs> if, you out, if you go out and wear your jeans once, you know, brand new pair of jeans, you're probably not throwing them in the wash after the first wear because they're not going to smell. And there's no, there are, it's not like, you know, a gym shirt where you've sweat bullets into it and it's, it's going to be gross. If you were, it's going to smell. You just assume that your t-shirt is going to smell, but your jeans won't. If you, even if you wore them on a hot summer day, if they've cooled off, they're going to be fine. And that's just the natural tendency of the, of denim material. Like it just, it's, it is naturally, it's antibacterial and it's odor resistant. Um, merino wool kind of works in the same way. There's a natural coating on the wool fiber called lanolin. And this is, it's almost like a sealant. What this does is it doesn't allow moisture to be absorbed into the fibers itself. Instead, what it does is it pulls the moisture and to the, it wicks it away to the other side of the clothing where it will naturally evaporate. And because you can't have any moisture absorbed into the material, there's nowhere for bacteria to grow. And that's where it grows. It grows in the moisture of your sweat um, that would sit in a cotton shirt. Um, it kind of sits there and it just becomes a breeding ground for, for bacteria, which is where the odor comes from. It's from the bacteria. If you don't allow that bacteria to grow, it will never smell. Bacteria doesn't sit in your shirt. So you'll go out and you'll wear the shirt on a hot summer day and even sweat bullets right through it. But then you can hang it up on a, on a hanger and it might be weird to a person the first time. But once you realize that the next day you go and you take that shirt off the rack and you stick your nose right in the armpits where it should be reeking from sweat, bacteria, it smells like as if it's the first day that you've ever put the shirt on. It, there's, it's completely fresh. It's, there's no odor there. So there you go. That's odd. So yeah. you'll throw it on again and you'll do it again. And it'll be the same thing. And then at one point, you start to re to not think it's weird anymore. Like it doesn't. It's a leap for people because we've been conditioned for decades through, you know, Tide commercials and, and advertising that we need to have spring meadow, fresh smelling like laundry every day. Um, that's just a, tr a a trigger that's become locked into our psyche. But it's just the conditioning of marketing. But really. It's like you only need to do that because cotton shirts do not perform in that way. Soon your whole paradigm changes once you start wearing a merino wool that you just don't need to wash it all the time. Now you can wash it as much as you want. Like you can wear it once and throw it in the wash. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you realize you don't need to, then it starts to like strip away what you need to take with you when you travel. And so even yeah. in your life, like you need you you realize you can get by on less stuff. So a lot of people who are more environmental, they like this because like, yeah, I don't need to run wash cycles every single time I'm wearing a shirt. I can have a, I'm a handful of shirts and I make, I can keep my hamper a little more empty and I could run the wash quite a bit less. Or when you're traveling, instead of packing 14 shirts because you're, you know, you don't need <laughs> a laundry machine, you could pack three, you know, pack with like a black Phoenix you want to wear out a lighter shirt for the hot summer days. You know, we have a button up coming. If you want to like have something that looks a little nicer when you go out, it's it, they're versatile and you can have way less and you don't feel weird about it. Like, so I, I was just out in Milwaukee for a few days and I had, I was actually bought a linen t-shirt 
because we're just like we buy a lot of other brand stuff to sort of see how things fit and to see what we like and like from other styles of clothing and other materials because by work trying with other materials it helps us sort of understand you know the, how we want our construction of our material to be and what we like about it what's different and I, I actually tried this really nice linen shirt and I really liked the way it looked like the way it felt and I wore it out one night and then I put it up on in the the hotel on the on the hanger and then the next day I took it out again I said maybe I'll wear this again I kind of like that shirt yeah and I and it smelled like my ball and it was actually I'm at the point now where I was shocked that it was not wearable the second day yeah and I did I, I folded it up I put it into my bag and I realized I mean, this shouldn't be in my closet this is not wearable I wore it the one time <laughs> that it has and it really made me realize how much everything you have in your life is baggage you know not just the baggage you take on your trips but the clothing that you have so you know you can wear a shirt and like it but then you're responsible for washing it and you know it might not it might lose its shape and form after you know many wash cycles but to me it felt kind of like a cheaper product because it didn't have the ability for me to wear a fresh t-shirt the next day because i've worn it once so my whole paradigm has changed on it and you'll and that's what we find with our customers is like it it once they buy into it and the travel thing is good because it, it realizes it can solve like a very specific thing in their life allowing them to pack a little less when they go on this big trip that they're going on our customers are smart enough to realize it's not just about travel like it's about a lifestyle you can wear you can have less stuff you can be more environmental you have less chores to do from your clothing it's just simple you can focus on the things in your life that matter and not having to like make sure that all your outfits are washed like just live simpler and people soon start to realize that on their own that it's it's bigger than just travel and the, the way that they think about clothing has changed it's 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 not a weird or foreign concept anymore and the word of mouth helps uh, that's that idea spread yeah, I mean that's that's so interesting. Like even just sitting here thinking about that, it's it's still kind of like a foreign concept in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely need to try you know more like merino clothing and really test it out. Just because you know when I go traveling, like when you're coming back, you have you know pretty much your entire suitcase filled with dirty clothes, and you you know it's it's just kind of like a waste uh, bringing it there, bringing it back, and uh, and yeah, I guess like you know definitely is like for everyone out there listening, you're probably like having a hard time wrapping your head around it. And, and I mean, I'm totally in the same boat. But definitely going to traveling when you have a suitcase full of dirty laundry, it's almost like carrying around a, a sack of garbage. Like, <laughs> yeah, essentially, it's like it's like there's, it's useless to you. Now you're not it's not garbage. You're going because you want to take it home and wash it, but it's useless. It's like useless weight that you have to carry around with you that has no until you wash it, it has no practical purpose in your life. It's just something you need to bring home so that you can get it back to being wearable. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And that to me is now weird, right? So people think, well, at first there there is an objection, like a buyer's objective to buy and think, ew, that's gross. Like people say all the time, like, I mean, I'm used to this on, on Facebook and say, ew, that's gross. And like, no, it's not. It's really not. And they, like, I, we, I'm not kidding every day. There's a troll comment that says, oh, I would want to sit next to you on an airplane. It's like, well, maybe I wouldn't want to sit next to you. <laughs> But the thing is, people are sitting next. It's like it's literally like wearing a clean T-shirt. Like people wouldn't care about sitting next to someone who wore jeans three days in a row, right? So 
I now look at it and our customers look at it. It's, like, it's weird to have it any other way. We can wash our clothing. It's not like you, it's not like you can't wash your clothing. Like I'll wash, I'll, you know, I, I go out somewhere it's dusty and that to me to make the shirts dirty. So I'll wash it. I'll wash the shirt as much as I want, but living a simple life uh, without having to haul around the garbage. And I say garbage in the sense of it's just a sack of stuff that has no value or use. That's become weird to me. Yeah, and, and I think another part that's kind of makes it more difficult to understand before you actually try it is the fact that it's like wool and people traditionally consider wool this, you know, very heavy, warm um, material that that will, you know, get like, you know, and if you were in a hot summer day, you're gonna, you know, have a have a bad time Absolutely. wearing it. Um, that, but that's- that's very understandable. Um, when I hear the used to hear the word wool, I would think of like a, a chunky scarf or something, you know, that's itchy. Like wool is itchy, but merino wool, it's it's completely different. It's a super fine. It, I mean, it looks like cotton. It feels sort of like cotton. Um, I would say it feels actually quite a bit like. I mean, if you didn't know it was merino wool, and I had said, guess what my T-shirt's made of. Dude, I think the average person would say this is a cotton t-shirt. Um, it performs differently uh, because of the moisture wicking. It feels differently on a hot summer day. It actually feels better because the it, the moisture is not creating almost like a seal that gets clammy. You know, if you were in sweaty clothing, there could be a feeling of clamminess because the moisture is all wicking away. You don't get that. So it's more comfortable on, in humidity and it has a natural temperature regulating abilities that's the merino the merino sheep is is generationally goes through extreme temperatures so the the wool coat that they have allows them to stay cool when it's super hot and keeps them warm when it becomes really cool so you're basically taking the performance of nature and using it as clothing and it performs like no other clothing that you've ever worn it's really, it's just, it's almost like a miracle fabric. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, ju- judging by just the uh, the Allbird sneakers that I wear, I can, I can definitely say, you know, it's a lot more um, versatile and it can take a lot more than I thought it would, uh, for sure. You know, when hiking with them and, and, and that's kind of, you know, the case. And this is d- definitely like a space and, and an industry that is going to continue growing as more and more people start becoming aware of, of exactly what it is. So to kind of talk a little bit more about, you know, just on by Marino, the business and, and that, where are you guys at right now? If you're, if you're comfortable with saying in terms of like, you know, what your revenue is, how many people do you have working there? And then immediate kind of next steps, uh, maybe for like this year or, or next year that you're really uh, drilling down on to, to grow the business. Okay. Well, that's a lot. Where do I start? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> Um, just the fry, I guess the first two, like just kind of like the numbers then. Sure. Well, we, you know, we're, we're in our third year. We're going to go past 4 million in revenue. Oh, very cool. Um, we have really, really good. I mean, this is, this is new for me in my old business. I didn't have the, the ability to project sales in the way that we do now. We have a really good handle on how fast we're going to grow. We know when we're going to have a lull in sales. Um, we know when we're going to have a huge uptake in sales. Um, and it's very, very, 
uh, much based on the size of our email list, the amount of inventory we have in stock and the season. And we've gotten to a point where we can pretty much within a, you know, a thousand or two dollars predict an entire month of what we're going to do. Um, and we're, we're pretty good at it. So we have a, a handle on our growth. Um, that's, that's also based on our Facebook advertising and marketing efforts that we do and our email marketing. Yeah. Are you, sorry, are you guys primarily, uh, or completely, uh, online, yes. uh, in terms of yes. sales? We don't do any, anything in any wholesale. Um, it's just not, it's not really of interest to us, um, in our business model. It adds complexity and for smaller margins or just like, why don't we just focus on this growth? So we have an exciting handle on how to grow this business. Um, we're very, very focused and goal oriented. And, um, we just think, I mean, we, we doubled our revenue each year since we started, we think we continue on that path. Um, and it's just about us growing into being a bigger company. Now, uh, I've, I've had a, I've, had a few businesses this is the third business i've been involved in that's gone you know to the seven figure revenues um and it's growing to be the biggest one for me so now it's all about like really really being smart in our growth and and you know i'm this is why i said maybe in 10 years i'm gonna realize how dumb some of my decisions were but you know, we're, we're getting into bigger challenges of like bigger hires now, like who are the right people to hire and how do we do it? So it's kind of stepping into new territory and just trying to learn as much as possible, seek as much mentorship as possible from people who walked my path and, um, and grow the right way. So the, the, the future is looking really good and exciting and, you know, nerve wracking in the good way, but, that's where we're at right yeah. now. It's to try to mature with the business and to step into being a larger company as you know, we get, you know, past our, the $4 million mark and, you know, maybe we'll sort of itch towards 10. Like that's a different business than what we are right now. And that mm -hmm. requires different leadership than the leaders we are right now, but we're smart enough to sit back and not think we're that great to seek mentorship, to seek coaching, to be coachable and to grow. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating that you're kind of putting it out there already saying that, you know, you and, and your like core team needs to be better in order to, to manage like the, the growth and the scale that you're about to reach. It, it's like kind of unusual. You don't really hear that often, uh, from, from entrepreneurs and, and, and founders, well, but I, I say, um, I say it's, it fascinating. it's, it's true, you know, and I'm not afraid that we're not going to be those people. I think the fact that we're, I think the mistake I made in my first business is we thought in my, my early twenties, I thought I knew what I was doing because we, you know, I was in my mom's basement and I started a business and, you know, we did $60,000 in revenue in our first year. And then we did $600,000 in revenue in our second year. And then our third year, we did a million point two. And I'm in, I'm like, I was just at, like got out of my mom's basement and then I have this company that's doing seven figures and I'm in my early twenties and I thought it's because we were great at something. And I know it's, you know, we, it's because we're good at starting something and we, you know, hit on something in our city that worked and we were early and it all was good. Great. But, um, if I had a little bit more humility and I took things a little bit more slow and thought like, Hey, you know, what, what's around the corner could be, you know, our revenue could flatten. 
you know, how would I deal with that? Knowing that what I know now, I would have done things differently. And instead of thinking that I should just continue to grow, excel, you know, super fast and, and accelerated. But right now, I know that the business is getting bigger than what I've had uh, is, uh, is my own business before. So rather than think that I'm great and I know what I'm doing, it's okay to say, hey, I need to like put my head down and learn and I'm going to do this right. And I think I will. It's not, this is not lack of confidence in what we're capable of. It's having been here before and taking a step back to think what, what can this business really look like in a year and how do I need to run it so that we can continue to get it, go on that path. And I am not someone who's ever ran a $10 million business, but I'm someone who might be soon. So yeah. why don't I you never know. Sit, why don't I try to sit on the shoulders of giants and have them help me see over the hills, you know? Instead of just I know what I'm doing. Like I think this is not running successful businesses is not I don't think there's a place for ego. And I'll be the first to tell you that I in my youth, I youth or my early twenties, whatever you call it, uh, ego is something <laughs> that hindered my ability to grow. So I'm okay to say that, you know, I need to grow as a leader and I need to seek coaching. I mean and and I'll get there. I'm confident I'll get there. I just know that it's gonna take effort. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, that mindset is really what allows you to get there. If if you're so open to it and you're not, I, I feel like the, the problems come when you're just, you don't want to hear anyone else's opinion and you think you know everything because no one does. And, and, you know, although you've had, you know, success in prior businesses, it's, it's like, there's people out there sitting, you know, who've, who've never started a business probably and, and think, oh, I can run a $10 million business, no problem. Um, and then there's you who's run like seven figure businesses and you're saying, I don't, an eight figure business, you know, it's, it's a new challenge. And, and it's just really, it's really interesting to see. And it's, it's such an honest take and, and that's great. And just kind of a final, you know, takeaway from this. I think that a lot of people, you know, you know, myself included, we've all had like thoughts about like, Hey, why don't I just start a business with some of my like good friends? And it looks like, you know, you and, and your two, uh, two co-founders, you guys are all, you know, been friends for a very long time. We're about three years into this journey. Can you speak kind of a little bit about how that like that particular experience what has it been like to work with people that you're so close with and just overall like is it something you recommend uh people to to pursue yeah well i've heard a lot of people say you know business and friendship don't mix um i'll be the i'll be the counter to that because i've worked with my best friends for even in my previous business um one of my partners was at an ad agency he didn't work with us um but my other business partner worked with me from day one. And I think ultimately it's way better to work with your best friends for a number of reasons. One, you can be completely candid with them. You know, I can, they can tell, they can get super upset with me about business stuff. I can get super upset with them and I don't have to like go and think about how I'm going to craft this and uh, the, what I want to say to them and, or vice versa, you know, with a, with an HR touch to it. Like it's not, it doesn't matter. Um, my Andrew, my business partner said, Dan, are you, are you a fucking idiot? What are you doing? <laughs> like straight up yeah. filter. And you know, it's coming from a place of love. Like we're best buddies. We, we always have been buddies. We care for each other as buddies. Um, business is serious. And you can say it doesn't mix in the sense that it hasn't, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. And that's true. He can be mad at me um, for things that are happening in the business, but we can still want to grab a beer after and hang out and talk about what's going on. 
as long as you genuinely care about your buddies and you want to everything in the business to be fair, um, you want them to win, you want them to grow. If you're looking out for your buddies, then how awesome is it to be there to support each other, to help each other grow um, a business together, to grow an amazing life together, and be able to share that with your friends? It's fun. It's great. Um, the challenges that come from that are no different than the challenges that will come from working with anybody. Like if you have, you know, there's times, and I'll be perfectly honest, the past couple of weeks, I haven't been executing to the best of my ability, but I can talk about that to my business partners and I can get back on track and like they'll, you know, they'll help me get on track and be as productive as possible. We're all in it together. We're all there to crush together. We're super harsh on each other when we need to be. It doesn't affect us. But every morning when I wake up and I have to go to work, um, I'm working with my best buds. I get to do that. It's not like I have to do this. It's hard. It creates, it's like I get to do this with people who I love hanging out with and they hold me super accountable. Like when I'm harsh on myself, I say I've been executing the past couple of weeks. It's because I want to do the best I can because I'm doing my part for me and for them, my best buddies, the people I work with have become like that are not my partners are super close friends now. Um, I think that you can separate business and friendship in terms of like, Hey, when we're friends, we can drink and have a beer and hang out and, you know, just talk shit with each other and have fun. But the business is separate. Like we all are responsible for, for doing our part. And that's, that's just intertwined in our friendship. It's all good. You know, like if you played basketball with your best friend or something, you're on a team and you sucked on the court and your friends said, dude, like, what were you doing last yeah. night? Why are you showing up to the game like this? And you know, who cares? You're, you're want to win the basketball game together. You're still friends. That's what it feels like. I feel like I'm on a team with my buddies and we're having the time of our lives. And I wouldn't change that for the world. I couldn't imagine doing this without my best buds. It would just be the worst version of what we're doing. So I think it's one of the best ideas ever. And if it doesn't work out, that should not affect your friendship at all. And if it does, it's uh, you should really question you know, like, what are you guys friends for? It's not about greed and all that stuff has no place in it. So I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like such an interesting answer and, and great insight there, you know, it really kind of puts the entire thing in perspective. It's not like this is, you know, business is something so different from everything else in life that it just has to be separate. It's all about how you approach it and how you deal with it. So th thank you uh, for that, Dan, you know, I feel like I've definitely learned a lot. And, and I'm sure everyone out there who's listening has learned a lot as well. Uh, as we are wrapping this up, can you let everyone know the best place to find Unbound Merino and if they want to connect with you personally, learn a little bit more about your story, uh, where is the best place for them to do that? Um, you could find Unbound Merino on Instagram or Facebook. Just type Unbound, U-N-B-O-U-N-D, Merino's M-E-R-I-N-O. UnboundMerino.com is our website and I'm Dan Dembski. D-A-N-D-E-M-S-K-Y hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. I'm in all those places. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, and, and thanks again for, for doing this super early in the morning. It's, it's 7 a.m. over here. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you again. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, we, we get a lot of people checking out uh, Unbound Marino. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, man. See ya. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Even share it with your friends if you found the lessons valuable. We do the show every week, so stay tuned for more episodes. And till next time.